So I'm Mel. Um, we both operate um, Angel Eyes Professional Photography, um, but our sole business at the moment is Boudoir by Angel Eyes. Um, been in business about 15 years. So. Yeah, and I'm Dave, um, her partner in crime. So yeah, everything Mel said. And you guys are a husband. <laughs> you guys are in a husband and wife team. We are, yes, 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 we are. Um, started off the business with Mel um, running the show. Basically, um, I was the financial support, <laughs> and I slowly worked myself out of my job um, into the business uh, gradually. Yeah, and. Uh, became more behind the scenes. Um, so marketing and marketing, uh, website stuff, um, you know, trying to get the bookings, things like that. And uh, we've sort of just evolved to where we are now over a long period of time. Yeah. How long have you been in business and what got you started, Mel? Um, so I think it was 2009. Um, it was actually my father-in-law who said to me, uh, I, I had small kids at the time and he said, oh, you've actually got a really good eye for photography. And I said, oh, okay, thanks. And he literally said to me, you need to go and do that full time. I went, okay. <laughs> and that's how Angel Eyes was created. So, so I started doing family photography, um, did that for about 12 years. We brought in Dave to do sports, so dramatic light sports photography back in about, I think it was 2018 from memory. Yeah, 17 or 18. And then 2020, we released Boudoir and have been solely Boudoir since then. Okay, so walk me through that. Um, what was what was business like when you guys did all the other genres? Then how did Boudoir even come about? So I was looking at my figures last night and I'm absolutely astounded at how far we've come. So. I was working every weekend. It was uh, every Saturday, every Sunday, about four or five shoots a week, a day, sorry. So in and, in and out sort of thing. Uh, I was burnt out, just nonstop work, 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 um, and then not getting anything from it. So looking back now, the average sale was $600. And in 2019, so I went back to 2019, um, which was my profitable year, I did 151 clients and made $93,000. So that's wow. a start. Yeah. Um, going forward, we introduced Boudoir in 2020, so the year of COVID. That was interesting. Um, and we were still doing family and sports. Average sale for those two genres was still $600. Introduced Boudoir in January of 2020 and instantly sales $2,900 so average you said $2,900 $2,900 so went from $600 to $2,900 yeah um that particular year families and sports bought in about $53,000 Boudoir bought in $193 so we went from $93,000 in 2019 $250,000 in 2020 and then going forward uh 2021 we did two family shoots. That was it. And we brought in 299000 So for Boudoir, and that was uh, 88 sessions. That was it. 88? And 2022, 88 sessions, yeah, for Boudoir only. And 2022 was solely Boudoir. We did 103 clients and $494,000. So that's our growth. 
you said 494? 494,000. Yeah. Wow. That is. So in four years, we went from 93 to 494. That is a really big jump. And I will say, you know, for us, uh, I've been doing marketing for uh, different studios for a long time now. And like the way I fell into boudoir might be similar to yours was that I would market so many different genres, newborn, maternity, Sue Bryce style, glamour, uh, weddings. And while we had success, it wasn't the same level with boudoir and like the amount of work it took to get boudoir clients, the amount of work it took to like create good creatives to get people interested was so much lower. And we could generate so much more on Facebook and video than we could for any, like, we can't force people to like have a baby. Right. So like a lot of those other ones are like kind of timeline dependent, or they're just not as exciting where like boudoir is super exciting. It's like, it's, I don't know. It's almost like a new shiny object and it's really it's easy. so much. It's easier. It's so much fun. <laughs> so I, I even how I got into boudoir um, is a different story. So I had a client, uh, one of our family clients who reached out to me and said, oh, can you do a boudoir shoot for me? And I went, oh, what? I had no idea what it was. So that was like a, a bit of a, let's look into this. So I did some research and I showed Dave and I said to him, this looks cool. I should do this. And he's like, oh, what is with you? So that's how mm-hmm. it was created. So um, we did a lot of education prior to jumping in and releasing because we we wanted to do it right. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was leading up into, let's say, September 2019. And then we launched in 2020, January 2020. So like these, how, how did you get your clients like before, like in 2019, you know, you said you had 151 clients, 93,000, like, how are you generating clients? You know, what were you doing for marketing? Like, what was your, how was your time spent? Fates, so school fates, long hours on the floor doing school fates. This, so this was with the families, yeah. families and sports. Yeah. We'd be at school fates, like doing market type store things. And that was that through until yeah. probably 2018. And then I went, I'm not doing any more of them. What is that? And a, then school, a school fate? A school fate. So school expos. Oh, okay. In Australia, all the schools yeah. have like shows and everything like that. So you go there and be a stall holder, basically. Um, and the sole way that we did that was giving away a collection. So you run a competition. Yeah, run a competition. You get leads and then you offer those leads for something. A backup prize, you know, a runner's up prize type thing. Um, but that being said, a, a lot of our, I don't know the figures on it, but we had a lot of, uh, no sales, if you will. So because we would offer them a thing like free prints or something like that, uh, we did get quite a lot of people coming through doing the photo shoot and then going, oh yeah, no, just the free one. Thanks. So yeah, that there was a lot of those, which is very disheartening yes. to, to work your ass off and get, get nothing, nothing in return. So, yeah. Um, we we stepped away from the actual in-person expos and did a lot of Facebook ads and it was the same thing. It was like enter a competition, win this, and then we give them a backup prize and then hopefully aim to upsell. So it was effective. It worked, but it didn't give you the numbers that you needed. Mm. There was always that unsecurity. What are they going to buy? Whereas Boudoir, I know they're going to buy. So, so what were you selling as products? Was it a lot of digitals or like did people get physical? Um, well? We've always done IPS. 
So I used I, our collections were I'm not going to say this. Oh my god, three hundred. <laughs> that was our lowest. They collection. range from about three hundred dollars to about fifteen hundred. Yeah, I think that was the, the highest we we raised it to yes. through the period. And we're always payment plans. There was nothing paid in full, so we're always living on um, the core people bringing like fifty dollars a week, fifty dollars a fortnight. So it was it was hard yakka. I think at one stage when we looked at the figures, had over a hundred thousand dollars owed to us through payment plans, uh, and a lot of failures. Yeah, so a lot of that got written off. Just paid the bills. It kept us going. It wasn't uh, pushing us ahead by any means. So definitely. So you know, one hundred or ninety three thousand is a lot in the industry. Like most photographers, yeah. just because there's you know a low barrier to entry, a lot of people consider themselves professional. Like that's still a very high number. Um, but yeah, like describe to me, like yeah, were you able to? I know Dave, you were probably still working. Um, yeah, yeah, full time. So how did that go? Like, what was the transition to like? It, boudoir came into the picture, and then how did you start knowing like, okay, this is really going to take off and you know, uh, I think the, the the figures spoke for themselves. Um, and initially, it was like we made some good sales, and you don't know if this is going to be a one-off thing. Um, it was COVID times, so we're like, mm, is this going to stick? So I think when we got into to boudoir, um, I was working. You're casual. I had cut down a lot by then, um, and I think I was to like one day a week type work um so I was already in the process of cutting right back um and it was in that within that first year that I resigned completely I think I made to, I had to make him because it was you're now costing us by working that, one, that was the it got clip. down to one day a fortnight and I think <laughs> I was doing that more because I didn't want to let I was working for down because he'd have to find a replacement and we kind of went no we've got to think of ourselves here and um yeah step back completely and and yeah full steam ahead and in the business what's your favorite part about now that you've transitioned to boudoir like what's your favorite part about it no king weekends (laughs) you don't photograph at all on the weekends no no working at all no we had a we had an offer come through uh, a few days ago to do like a, a christening or something on, right. on a Sunday, oh. Sunday and we're just like well no we don't one we don't we haven't done that sort of thing in a long time and two that's on a Sunday <laughs> so we get our weekends which is great because um we have four kids uh two of them are um almost one of them's 18 so he's an adult and the other one is almost 18 and we have two younger kids as well um so the older kids uh grew up with us working weekends um and we we just feel like it's really cool that the the younger kids that we have uh, don't have to go through that they can have us on weekends so that's definitely a bonus um i'd say getting getting paid yeah is, is a big deal, yeah uh we don't have that financial stress that we used to have um you know we it's like our clients now um see the worth in what we're doing and reward us with that yeah in terms of money so and what has like changed like day to day because you know some people have like daydream about more money and it's like oh I can get a nicer car I can you know uh, but like day to day like real life how has it affected you guys 
So we joined the High Rollers Club in March 2020. It was two weeks before lockdown happened. We were living at our studio house and we had some people in that house at the time. So it was very crowded. It was our our home that we would never, we never thought we'd ever leave. So fast forward to November 21, we bought our dream home. Um, it's got a pool. We just put a fireplace in. It's got a, a spa coming in the next month. It's got an acre block, a five-bedroom house. It's our dream home. Mm-hmm. Um, then fast forward to um, right now, we've just... Um, purchased and another an, an additional um, investment property. So we had two options with our accountant. He said, pay a hell of a lot of tax or buy a property. So we went, okay, let's buy a property. So that's the physical reward that we've achieved just by implementing everything that we've been taught and tweaking things and making it work for us. Mm. So. I think also just... Um like when we started the business and we shot families, um, like we were young, um, mm-hmm. you know, hey, 20s. We're still young. <laughs> we're still young. We're 40. Um, so you don't really think of your future um, as terms of like, you know, your superannuation, um, retirement, all that sort of stuff. That stuff's way, way ahead. Um, that's future me problem. And being self-employed, like I've, I've when I was working full-time, obviously I had... Um, superannuation put away um from the employer it wasn't much um but we've never really been able to do anything for our future um and as we've sort of crept into our 30s and then our 30s slowly got into towards our 40s it gets a little bit more scary to think what does our future look like as far as retirement and like what do we have behind us Um, what's our portfolio look like what you know what's going to happen um and just yeah in the last few years being able to um get into property and and actually put some stuff behind us is a very reassuring to know that you know we actually have something to fall back on now mm-hmm. um so there's a lot of that stress that's gone away um i think also day to day with me because i was very much in charge of the marketing and getting us the leads to get the work um we'd go through uh, an influx of leads we'd run a competition or something like that we'd have a lot of leads it would be booming we'd be booking people in all good and then it would sort of like die off a lot and that stress would be like what's next month going to look like how are we going to book out how are we going to get bookings in so we can keep paying our bills how are we going to take time off whereas now we're, we're we're in a system where we can actually like um we know that we've, we've got a good system in place that's consistent and you know we've got leads we've got bookings we've it, all the gears are working together properly so that again it, and again it's stress I, we don't have that stress like we used to have of worrying and everything like that um you know in some ways it's still there you're always going to be thinking like you know oh let's make sure we're Looking ahead, what's next month look like? What's the month after that look like? But um, you look at the numbers and figures and everything, and it's it all pans out. So yeah, it's definitely 
as stressful day to day. That would be mm. my yeah. overall response to that. And before you guys were doing like the expos, you were running like <clears throat> Facebook ad giveaways. What is bringing stuff in now? Like what makes you guys so comfortable that like leads and bookings and like what's bringing the consistency? Our group is our pot of gold, to put it simply. That's how we started. So we implemented our Facebook group. Um, I think it's got two and a half thousand in there, I believe. I haven't checked. Um, making those connections and talking to people. And then, of course, you paid advertising. Um, so you Google ads, your Facebook ads, all that sort of stuff. And then um, when we were confident enough that when did we switch? Why did we switch? To Tomberto. That was around March last year. Yeah. March, April last year. We're, we're in a position that the leads was constantly coming in and I couldn't keep up with them um, through Facebook and I wanted another avenue. So that's when we hired you to do all our um, good ads and Facebook ads so that Dave could focus more on the retouching side and I can focus more on the admin side. It was also because we had our hand in one pot. So the, the Facebook group was our one source of lead generation. Um, and, you know, you, it, it's just while it was working, uh, it was like, if it just stops, like what if Facebook just canned groups or something like that happened and we were like, we we can't just rely on this prospecting and, and um, dipping into the group and, and and looking from the group as our only lead generation. So we thought, you know, we got to do something. Um, I had dabbled in like I had a lot of experience in doing book ads, um, not as a professional level, but just enough to get us by. And um, you know, we had some leads coming through through ads we were running a lot of our ads were just group grow ads so that we then again do what we were currently doing dip into the group uh so we kind of decided that we needed to do something um we had hired a like a marketing seo group prior um to joining your team humberto and we were with them for maybe six Longer than that, almost a year. Okay, almost a year, and the results weren't good. Um, so you know that we'd we'd get an increase in traffic and stuff like that. They tell us what pages were performing better and and things like that. But at the end of the day, the inquiries weren't coming in, which was the end goal. Um, so after a, about a year with them. Uh, we had to go somewhere different. We just like this seriously isn't working, um, and I don't even know how we. When we decided, that was me. Probably <laughs> you put it forward, and and we went. Well, let's get on the phone and go down that avenue and see what what everything is. So yeah, and I remember yeah, now we. We're, when we first spoke, um, you know, we, we kind of talked about it because while we do like templatize a lot because we work with one industry, we work with mostly one or two genres, like for us, a lot of it is processes and like just following like a given, almost like a template, but then like we have to like figure out the business owner themselves and like maybe like focus a little bit more or skew like depending on what works for them. 
And one studio we worked with was in New York. And for some reason for them, like they told us similarly, like your, our Facebook group is gold. And we tried to like force call schedulers and like everything, but the Facebook group, it was still a little bit of a priority, but like, I didn't realize that it should have been the 100% priority. Um, so like now you're getting leads through your website, you know, through forms and stuff like that and off Facebook. Um, but are people still joining the group? Are you still prospecting or do you still have those habits going like at the same time? And like, do you just have new people in the group as well? So we got to a stage that we could not as just us to um, do all the work ourselves. There was so much going on. Prospecting dropped off because there were so many leads coming on. So thank you. <laughs> um, but then we just, we thought we've just switched from just solely Facebook to just solely yeah. Um, Google and all that. So we in one bucket, we took that hand out, put it in another bucket. And we went, we've got to combine both to make this work. Otherwise, what's the point? So we actually hired out. So we, in October this year, we hired a um, an admin lady. So she does all of our calls um, and she does all the admin for me. So she's transitioned to all the calls now. We were doing both and I've turned up, you handle it. It's all yours now. Um, and she, and we've hired someone to solely look after the Facebook group. So in essence, we've got a now, uh, a team now of uh, six. So we've got three social media team plus the admin and two as well. So, um, going back to your question is like we had to we didn't have enough time to do everything ourselves so we had to outsource it so but you are like you guys do keep up on the Facebook prospecting like that yeah. is a big so um Sheree actually does um some of my prospecting as well so she'll help me in that side of it. um and part of our hair and makeup team will actually do the real for us because we don't have the time to do that that we used to do so mm -hmm. we used to do everything ourselves now we've got time and they're really good at it. They're actually better than us at it. So yeah, it makes plenty of sense. <laughs> uh, it's funny because a lot of times I talk to photographers and like some people are diehard. They know they, for some reason, they just know that prospecting is just the basic principle of like the more people, you know, the more people you connect with genuinely, like the more sales conversations that are going to pop up from that. Not all of them, but a lot of them will. Um, and then some people are just like, nope, I don't want to talk to anybody. They have to like submit a form on my website. Otherwise I'm a spammer and I don't want to be scammy. Uh, so for you guys, I feel like you guys, maybe it's your personality, but you were never in the not talk to people. Oh, no, no. Yeah. I've always thought of it as a, um, it's a conversation. Like someone reaches out um, through like Google and that they're inquiring. So it's our duty to provide that customer service of the information. Um, same thing is why are they in our Facebook group? Mm. It's a boudoir photography group. They're interested in some way. So let's make that connection and give them the information. And in a in a face-to-face -face situation, you walk into a shop, they usually have a door greeter or someone there that says, how are you? Can I help you today? They're they're not trying to put an article on you, but they're just, it's like customer service. So you've entered our group. You're going to get a message to say, hey, thanks for joining the group. You know, anything, what's got you interested, blah, blah, blah. It's no different than a door greeter in a shop, in my opinion. Yeah, that's a good point. 
What have you guys, as you guys have like grown, what is like the biggest challenge you're experiencing now? Or what are you trying to solve? Work-life balance. Oh, I did a 14 hour day yesterday. It's, <laughs> it's been a, it's been a big week with five shoots, four ordering appointments. Um, the hours were long. So trying to get that downtime, I think that's very important for us to not work weekends for that reason. Hmm. Yeah, that's my struggle. Yeah. Mel, Mel workaholic. <laughs> and how do you guys split, like the ta- how do you guys split the tasks? Are you are you photographing at all there? Yeah. So we it's always a team. So it used to be Dave would get all the leads, I would follow them up. Now it's just they just come to us. Um but we I'm the admin side of it. So I'll do all the well, I used to do all the calls, all the admin contracts, anything to do with getting the client to the door. Um, we both shoot. So Dave does more of the photo side, whereas I do more of the posing. Um, Dave will do the retouching. I will do the sales. He'll do the order. And then the order comes back to me for a final proof before he sends off to print and I send off digitals. So it's a team effort the entire way, start to finish. How do, who is responsible? Because, you know, the first touch we had when we were working together was the high rollers, which is, you know, group coaching program, accountability through the Facebook group. and um, you know, even the cohorts and then the video library and all the assets there. Um, but who was like responsible? Like what was your methodology for like going and implementing all that? We each had our own parts to play. Mm. So I did all the emails. Uh, Dave did all the marketing. So I, I don't think I watched a single marketing video because I'm like, no, nah, that's you. <laughs> you <didn't understand> <laughs> I had too much else on my plate and he didn't look at the emails. So implementing all those email processes um that was not him at all but then there were a lot of um one of the things we used to do so when we drive to work in the morning um we would the video library was in, playing yeah we yeah. put on instead of listen to music or something like that we'd we were watching some of those uh, q a's and things like that where you just listen to people talking and asking questions and stuff like that and you just pick up on stuff it it sparked a conversation between us in something we could implement or change. And um, yeah, there was lots of videos, things that we would watch together because they kind of anything to, both our roles. Yeah, anything that yeah. involved both of us. So um, Jen's trying to sell um, all that sort of stuff. Um, anything that was like predominantly both of us, we would watch together. Or I'd watch and go, you need to watch this yeah. part. Yeah. Uh, before you even joined, um, did you guys have any hesitations? Like what was like the biggest thing? Like, because of course, like everyone prom- makes promises. Like <laughs> what was the biggest hesitation you had or like concern? He was the biggest hesitation. I was, I was the biggest hesitation <laughs> because I'm the most skeptical of anything and everything. Yeah. So we've <laughs> gone through a few marketing teams in our um, careers and nothing ever worked. So I think the first thing I did was buy Jen's uh, price list. So all I did was like, okay, well, let's try this. So I implemented, I tweaked it a little bit. Um, and my first sale using that price list with, was with a, a newborn um, client. And she bought $5,000 and I went, well, okay, and this our, is possible. Prior to that, our highest collection was, was $1,500. Yeah, yeah. So, so that was a huge jump to a five grand sale and paid in full kind of opened our eyes and I guess 
opened my eyes, especially being the skeptical one, to say that, okay, so this actually might work. This may not be um, full of crap. <laughs> like, yeah. um, we had signed up for other marketing things before, um, even little things like certain ad type things where you'd, you'd pay you know, a couple hundred dollars and this is going to sort of show you how to do a Facebook ad. You'd get some template and you'd just be like, well, this doesn't help at all. Like, I could do that myself. It's not relevant and all yeah. this information I already knew anyway. And like, yeah, so when Mel got the price list, implemented it, and straight off the bat, um, we had success with it. Um, that really sort of opened the doors up for us to say, well, we need to do this. He still sat on the fence for a long time. I think I spoke to you, I spoke to Jen, I spoke to Nikki, and I'm like, Dave, come on, we've got to do this. <laughs> and I think I spoke to another friend who was like, I said, this is how much it is, this is what it's going to do, and he's like, well, just do it. I said, can you tell Dave? Because convince him, I'm ready. <laughs> and then I think it wasn't that long after, I just went, let's just do it. Look, I've made five grand already. I think I'd made another couple of five grands by then. And I said, um, all in all, if it doesn't work, we've covered our costs with one sale. Mm. Don't stress. So I think that was the justification. I, I think that's there, how we justified it was, well, if if we can do this priceless and we can make that kind of money off a couple of sales, then it's paid for it. Exactly. So um, the, the risk wasn't there in his mind. Yeah. Um, and then I just kept reading the testimonials going, yes, let's just do it. Let's just do it. Then we went and got a loan. Um yeah, right before COVID shut us down. So that was fun. Mm. We just went, oh, my God, what did we just do? Um, but we made up back our investment um, in session fees prior to even shooting. We came back to shooting in July and we had, I think, 60 clients on the books without even. Yeah, we had we had leads popping in from prospecting left, right and centre. Because I had the time to sit there and do you video calls. You were just calls. doing video calls. <laughs> yeah, I was in the process of. Um, building one of our studios and while I was doing that Mel was in the next room just on the, the video calls just booking people in bang 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 and it was like all right this is good <laughs> it's working yeah because with it I think that we did model call and I had five clients prior to shutting down so yeah that's all we had that's what we had to show yeah, that was um, like a big concern for me and Jen. Actually, it was like a debate, like, should we do the price list? Because the price list is like $7 and then there's some exactly. upsells. Yeah. Um, and my my thought was hoping that we, I would have stories like yours. Like someone's going to be blown away by this. They're going to see, they're going to make their money. And then they're going to be like, yeah, let's buy into the whole system. Um, where sometimes initially a lot of educators think like, oh, if you give anything away for free, then they're going to steal it and then they're going to run away with it and never, not mm -hmm. steal it, you know, you bought it, um, but then they're never going to need anything from you again because they like took your secret recipe and it's like, no, if you put a lot of value into them, then hopefully you gain their mm -hmm. trust. So it's really good yeah. to hear that. I mean, that was one piece of the pie. So yeah. there's so many other aspects that just grew our business excellently. Having the time due to COVID, um, shutting down we were able to implement so much so quickly so we already had our emails done before we were shooting like they were all all done um images that from our first shoot were first five shoots were all in there so we had to redo them again but um we were able to go through I think we went through about 70 percent of the course in that time mm. so that helped 
not juggling anything else. Yeah. So tell me about that, because obviously the price list was a big one. Uh, a lot mm -hmm. of people don't think that internationally you can sell like that. And we, I've heard I've been on sales calls for, you know, our coaching clients and our like agency clients. And a lot of people have said, Umberto, you don't understand, like in London, no one spends like that. I've even heard <laughs> people say in Dubai, everyone's cheap and they can they don't pay for that. So yeah. I've heard that about any, you know, insert any city or any country and people will say that. So. What did you guys think about that before you <laughs> took this price list? Like, did you have the same thought process? Like, hell, that's yeah. an American thing. Yeah. Absolutely. Like also, uh, we thought sort of population-based too. So um, if you look up the population of an American city compared to an Australian city. Um, we're small. We're tiny, you know, <laughs> and it's like, well, will it still work when you're advertising everything to such a smaller audience? Um and it does so <laughs> like, um at, at the end of the day you walk outside or you go for a drive and there's um uh, people drives people drive bmws or mercedes-benz past you or, or a lexus or a lexus and they're not cheap cars and people still justify and can afford those yeah. um they had the option to buy, buy a toyota they went for the lexus yeah people um, have money um for what they want to spend that's as simple as that so um Honestly, in my personal opinion, our family side didn't have it. Um, we tried to do like a, I think our, our clientele knew that we were like, let's give away something. So that's what they were always waiting for. And I think also <clears throat> because the industry is really saturated uh, with upcoming photographers sort of getting their hands on the gear and going, all right, I want to do this. And how am I going to do it? I'll give stuff away and I'll be super, super cheap. Mm -hmm. And the family photography, um, I'm not sure what it's like um, over in the US there, but um, over here it is absolutely saturated with uh, people doing that. So it becomes a very recognised normal that if you want to go and get photos of your family, you just hit up a photographer or find one that's giving stuff away and it makes it so much harder for those family photographers to actually make some decent coin. It's to... I'm not saying it's not possible, um, but I wasn't willing to put in work to get the no sales anymore. So in my mind, I was sick of families. I didn't want to deal with them anymore. I'd done 12 years of chasing it and I went, no, I'm done. We hired a family photographer to help us. Uh, she did like five shoots and went, I'm done. We went, okay, we're closing that side. Yeah. Um, there are definitely photographers um, in Australia, boudoir photographers specifically, who will charge absolutely nothing. Like it's $150, $350 for everything, um, just like the family industry. But I think there's a big difference when the confidence of you charging $5,000 as an average sale as opposed to $350. Um, it's, we have clients who travel eight, nine hours to see us because we, they, they know and trust us. They, mm. they like our work and they go, I'll drive past all those other ones to come and see you. So in essence, it's hard to get, it, it's not hard to get the high paying clients, um, in boudoir, in family, I wasn't sold, but that was just my personal experience. Mm. If I that think, makes sense. There are others that do it, but I think the average sale is only about two grand. 
to me, it's also um, you, you've got to get over that imposter syndrome going, okay, like I'm going to charge like $5,000. I'm going to charge $8,000 for a collection. Um, so, yeah, I need, I know that I need my work to be up to standard. Like I need to make sure that it's top quality um, because otherwise I shouldn't be charging those prices mm. so it does keep you accountable personally and as a business to make sure that your um quality is high and your standards are high um so if you're charging ridiculously low prices then maybe your standards not very high maybe you're not holding yourself to that high standard and um it comes down obviously with boudoir um, a lot of it is about the experience as well and Again, you sort of go, okay, so we're we're charging these prices. Um, I'm not going to feel right if they're not getting uh, an A grade experience. So, yeah, I think it sort of helps you as a business perform better as well to be charging those prices. What What was that like? The first like, because I know you said your highest package was fifteen hundred. Like to go into a sales session with like you know bigger packages. What was that like? The first time <laughs> scary very scary <laughs> again I, the imposter syndrome was yeah. huge because you're like is it right like i remember our first year going oh my god these are really bad <laughs> yeah. but she bought like i think a first first big while sale was five thousand i went well okay and then when that becomes the norm it's like okay i expect it but then because <laughs> because we knew we were going to charge these we wanted these price points to be our collections we wanted to be making that kind of money uh we weren't just going to wing it we like mel said much earlier that we invested into a lot of training and education um with the photography side the parts uh, and the editing and stuff like that so we went you know like we can't just wing it and charge these prices we can't mm -hmm. just pick up a camera and start shooting trying to find angles and what no. works like we need to know what we're doing we need to know how how to pose properly and everything so um yeah it it was definitely scary and getting over that sort of imposter syndrome was probably the, the first hurdle i think um with our own personal confidence as photographers um but i think once we did that we started to sort of see our worth and people were showing us that worth so we were like you know what it's okay it's it's great mm -hmm. That's awesome. Yeah, that's that's really cool. And then like after that, you just stuck to that price list and didn't go back? No, we, no, we've tweaked it a few tweaked. times. Oh, but yeah. did you keep increasing it or what did you do? Um, well, we do have a thirteen thousand dollar collection in it. I have sold it once. Oh. I was very happy when I said that. <laughs> um, I sold four bombshells this week. So yes. how much is that? that? Um, eight thousand dollars. Holy smokes. Uh, but Sorry. tell me about tell me about the thirteen thousand dollars sale. How did that even come about? Because that's <laughs> well, that was actually um, the first shoot of the year, it and it was a guy. So he uh, was a male stripper wanting to build a portfolio and get out internationally to some stuff, and and he wanted everything. And I went, all right. Well, the best easiest way to get everything is this is the price. And he went, okay. <laughs> so that's as easy as it was. It was um, yeah, we def definitely didn't expect it. Um, I was. We've, um, we've always been open to shooting uh, men, um, but uh, 
when you put your ads out there in our experience when we put ads out there and that we just get creepy guys being weirdos so we sort of went well let's just keep pushing what is working for us and yeah out of the blue Mm. a a legitimate guy who wants photos and wants to spend money for him so yeah yeah so a few tweaks that we made um to Jen's pricing I think our our minimum investment was $750 that gave them five printed images um that is still our little bit of our hook when we talk to people on the phone um then we jump up to $2,000 that gives 10 digital files um and a box of prints so there's no albums or anything like that um then we went three and a half thousand five thousand eight thousand that's where we stopped then I sold one loss leader and I went right that's got to come off the menu I don't (laughs) want to advertise it so it got removed to like the the little bits of extra stuff. It, it went into the um, price lift yeah, where, you spend, where you spend your, spend your credit and stuff like that. Yeah. So. so that was our first step. Our second step um, was adding that $13,000 collection. I think that's been in there for about a year now. Um, so we took the album out of the $2,000 collection as well? Yes. So I kept uh, selling the $2,000. I'm like, I don't want to sell this. So get rid of the album. So it was, as- it was a it was a small smaller album and, and cheaper, if you will. But we just thought, no, if they they want an album, then they're looking at three and a half as a minimum. Mm-hmm. So that's another thing that sort of pushes them up. But then I was selling the two thousand still, and I'm like, no, I don't want to sell this. So I got rid of that off there as well. So all our collections now three and a half, five, eight, and thirteen. So. They're all on, we have little booklets. I don't have one here. Um, and I open them up in our, at, uh, at, the at the shoot and I show them these are our most popular collections. And there's four on one page. And the two middle ones are the 8,000 and the 5,000. And I say, these are the most popular. This is the reason why. So our bombshell is the only one. And the so the 8,000 and the 13,000 are the only ones that actually have color and black and white in their collections. Um, the Vixen and the Sirens, the 5,000 and the three and a half, have only got um, per image. So you either get colour, black and white, or if you want to get both, you have to pay for them. So this week, um, all of my clients have gone, well, I'm up in the the, the goddess, so the 13. And so I say to them, the most, you're in the goddess now, the easiest option for you is if you wanted to stay there, you can get all them, no problem, but I don't force it. It's more of a, the easiest option is to go down to your bombshell. I'm only going to take out a certain amount of images. And so, for example, yesterday's client, she had 147 images sitting in her um, her yes pile when she started. And essentially it was only 78 individual images. So in order for her to keep the bomb to get the bombshell she only had to take out eight images yes because mm. that's 70 how many sessions are you how many photos are you showing average it's only from 100 to 130 individual images uh, but we sell the black and whites and colors as separates so they're doubled um most of the time they'll choose one or the other sometimes they'll double up and in a, an order where you might have 50 images selected, um, they might have four or five of those images as doubles. 
So, so you actually got night. 10 images yeah. being sold where they were five. Yeah. yeah. So yesterday's client, she, I said, well, you, you can either get rid of 100 images to get down to the, the Vixen, which is what she wanted, or you can take out eight. And she went, I'll take out eight. That's easier. And then there you go. There's your bombshell. It's so cool that like, you know, at one point you were like beginner at this, you were just learning, you're like daunt, like daunting priceless. And now yeah. you're like hotshot expert. I just did your sales <laughs> average. Get this one. This is easier. <laughs> yeah, I just did the average, you know, it probably includes retainer fees, but like getting No, to- that doesn't include retainer fees. Oh, that doesn't. So what what no. what's the average? Um, right now, hang on. I did it. I did it with the gross year, and then I divided by the sessions. So the gross. Yeah, so four thousand eight hundred was twenty twenty two, and right now for this month, I'm at seven thousand four hundred. Holy smokes! That, oh yeah, a lot of bombshells, right? Yeah. Um, and the big one. Yeah. One vixen and four bombshells in one week. So what's that like? Because obviously like someone reading this or seeing this is like, what the hell? I can't get there. It's too late. Or sometimes you feel like, you know, if you've been doing something for four years and it's a switch over, it's like a big, like knock on your head that you've been doing things wrong and people don't want to like admit that. So like for you, you know, what's it like now? Like, like I just said, like, you're kind of like an expert now and you did exactly what I coach people on is like, take it, do it the way we teach you know, don't second guess it. Don't, you know, go ask 400 Facebook groups. And then, mm-hmm. you know, cause those people are going to tell you this is unreasonable. They're all going to give you doubt. Um, yeah. But when you do it yourself, you're going to learn 10 times more in one, even if it's a bad sales session than you would, you know, asking for advice. Mm-hmm. What was the question? Sorry. Oh, so the question is like, what is that like for you now? Like, do you feel the difference in the sales? Like, I know you said you feel a lot more confident, but yeah, there's a big contrast from before. Yeah, it's um, my, I think in the back of my mind is like, please painful, please painful, please painful. <laughs> That's always, I want the cash flow. Um, because we have a, a finance company that we use over here um, who can do like the, the bombshell like $8,000 collection for $102 a fortnight. So that's my selling point. Um, So after the photo shoot, um, I'll start cleaning up like the rooms and sort them out and Mel will be the client for about 10 minutes just talking to them about all the products and things like that. And that's one of the big indicators she gives them. So when she shows them the investment menu and um, goes through the whole, these are our most popular ones, with the um the five and the eight thousand dollar one, um, she breaks it down for how much it would cost a week in finance. Yeah. So it's not so big of an investment. It, it does depend on the client's credit rating. Um, and unfortunately, some of them don't have good credit ratings and they don't qualify for finance. Um, so that's kind of where we cross our fingers because <laughs> we can't control that. Um, that's entirely on the client. But you know, if if they do qualify for finance, they'll go finance. Um, We've had a few that have just paid out full. Um, (laughs) It doesn't happen often, but the finance is definitely. um, We treat each client like an $8,000 client. It's as simple as that. We will shoot exactly the same. Um, Doesn't matter their their age, their, um, yeah, 
treat them exactly the same. So what's that mean? Was there a time where you didn't? Because I, I know that, you know, a lot of times in Facebook comments, I see people like, hey, this person's young. I don't want to waste my time. So they always have like this, like. <laughs> We've had a few surprises. There's, we had a pregnant woman yeah, well, there's, there's in definitely. the 20s pay $8,000 up front. I went, wow. That's so we've always not- had the experience where if um, we've had um, brides, if you will, so they're going to get married in the next couple of months, maybe, and they want to do this as a wedding gift type thing. And you sort of think to yourself, you know, that they're getting married. They've got like all these other expenses <laughs> loading up. How much room do they actually have for a boudoir session in their budget? Mm-hmm. Um, you've Like you just mentioned, young people, like I remember when I was 20 years old, I had no money. (laughs) And you kind of think, how much room do they have in their budget to spend money on this? Um, And you you do have those um, sort of stereotypes, if you will, in your head of going, okay, this person probably won't spend much. Um, But we just, I guess our our method is just to put a block on that and go, well, they're here. They've booked in, they're here. So at the end of the day, we can rush a shoot do like a a 45 minute shoot or something like that and I guess shoot ourselves in the foot if Mm -hmm. they were going to spend money because we wouldn't have the images to offer them and they wouldn't get the full experience and all that sort of stuff um or we could just do what we normally do it costs us a little bit extra time than if we cut it short and we just give them the full experience um the full amount of time the, the proper amount of photos that they should get and like Mel said before, like sometimes then they'll buy a bombshell and you'll have like a someone in their early 20s who's getting married or they're pregnant doing a maternity type one and, and still buy. Bam, they they spend eight thousand dollars and you're like, did not see that coming, but thank God we gave them the full proper mm-hmm. shoot. We didn't, you know, yeah, listen to that little voice that told us they probably won't, you know. So regardless of what what we think, we still just the standard so that you know you never know and we are very much systematic shooters i know exactly what's coming every shoot so by the way i will say this is definitely a compliment but like your work has gotten significantly better than when you first started yes definitely light years almost i don't even recognize it compared to yeah (laughs) thank you (laughs) yeah we that is one thing that we do is we actually critique most of our shoots Mm -hmm. as well so we'll look back and go why did we do that? That leg is wrong. You've really got to put your ego aside. <laughs> it's like, you know, like, because like Mel said, I'll do the the photos. Um, we play our strengths. Um, Mel's much better with posing and fine detail. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, if I had to take care of posing and stuff, I'd miss a twisted strap or a ring out a line or yeah. things like that. Um, my strengths are more with um, the lighting and the camera angles and things like that. So we play our strengths and then we'll also yeah, critique each other's work and critique our own work and be like, probably need head back a little bit more tilted there or something, or the angle's a bit off, needs to be a bit higher or something like that. And just trying to like improve things. Even when you think it's brilliant and perfect, you, you go, okay, now we can do this one better or yeah. yeah. Well, that's really, that's really cool. And I'm glad you took that as a compliment. Um, <laughs> Okay, so we talked about pricing, talked about your Facebook group, your international, just the fact that you're international. Um, what is the next big goal you guys have? Obviously, New Year, I'm sure you guys are up from last year already, so. Yes, yes, we are. 
Um, so we, it's actually hard for me to do these figures because we are, our financial year is July to January. So, no, July to June. Sorry, July to June. From July to February, um, we've actually done $392,000. So that's in what? Seven months? Yeah. Our goal this financial year is to try and get to that 650. Yeah, that's our stretch goal. I'm, I want to crack that 500. That's my. So let's say, you know, that is a, um, like I, I describe that as being like a goal that is like an end state. Do you guys have mm -hmm. any goals for like your habits? Like anything you guys are trying to like implement any like habits you're trying to like take on new things and, you know, for employees. We, our ultimate goal is to, at the moment we travel an hour to our studio because we moved an hour away. Um, we would like to build a studio out here where we are mm. um, so that we can actually have the associate photographers, weekend work, all that sort of stuff that we don't actually physically have to do. So ideally I'd like to be shooting two to three times max um, and then retire and all that sort of stuff. But we can't do that at our current studio because our son currently lives there. So, And our house just isn't... It's not big enough. For it. Yeah. Um, whereas, yeah, a, a big goal of ours for the future is to uh, purchase a property where we can look at that property and go, this will be turned into a studio, the whole house, like yeah. multiple rooms, um, multiple sets and stuff like that, like so much more potential than we have now. Yeah. Not that we don't have much potential now where we're at, but we sort of looked at it and went, you know, like um, we're pretty lucky with the studio we have. We've got three sort of sets three big rooms that we use um which is a lot of variety already but you know you can't help but go a lot more, more. <laughs> so that's definitely the big goal we have to get that new studio was I there any time you guys doubted any of this were you like any any like week stretch or month stretch where you're like damn i'd rather have a regular job and no. ask that <laughs> we had uh, i mean i've been self-employed for 15 years so I didn't want to go work for someone else. I don't think I could. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, no. The, the... We might just make way much, way much more money than we did working our nine to five. Mm. And it's flexible. If I want to take a day off, I can, as long as I'm not too far booked out. Well, you, At the moment, clients. I can't because I'm too booked out. But <laughs> What's yeah. like the kind of the last question but what's like the most unique thing that's happened to you in the last two years or like a story you can't even believe has happened to you or something that some nobody knows about oh i don't know well, i was just gonna say like like we're still going through the the hideous process of getting that investment property but so we um we're at our studio so we had the studio and we live there as well um we purchased the house we're in now. So now we have two properties under our belt mm -hmm. and now we get a third property. And we sort of just every now and then, even now, we just sort of look at each other and go, we want invisible property. What the hell? <laughs> like, this is this real? Like, when did we get in a position where we could actually have investment properties under us? And it's just still a little surreal to think that that's how, how it is, you know? time as well do you guys yeah. uh, uh i will ask uh 
I've worked with people that have like done crazy years, right? They've kind of like you, they like maybe made a couple six figures, low six figures. And then like the next year they're making like a huge amount, like 400, 500,000. Um, and I had a, a friend that like got into really bad, like financial trouble because they started spending on like, you know, do a wedding again, buy a bunch of cars and stuff. And they got into like really big trouble, but not paying taxes. So do you guys follow the profit first system? Do you guys follow any like financial? We, ethos? I think because we've always struggled with money, we don't like spending money. It's like, we don't spend money on ourselves. Like, no, it's, it's hard. <laughs> like the, the investment property thing, um, I probably wouldn't have even done to be honest, but it was something that it made more sense to do that than pay taxes yeah we got we got financial help and they said well these are the options um you can pay like this much to the tax department or you can do this and it was like well we might as well go down that road and and not pour money into the government's pocket and instead mm. pour it into our own um yeah investments um the only thing that we have bought recently that's been quite big is our spa um, but that's something that was always my goal when we bought this house was like, I need my spa. That's that's <laughs> my downtime. We every time we'd go away on holidays when we were younger, it was um we'd always find somewhere where a spa and that's when our um we'd brainstorm. We'd brainstorm stuff and like we should do that. So that we'd was my talk, we'd be talking, we'd run holidays in a spa, talking business and like trying to like write things down and <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, help. day life, we just don't spend money, so it's good. <laughs> well, that helps. Yeah, I'll still I'll still go to the shops to buy like a shirt and go, oh, $25 for this shirt. Is that oh I don't know. And you just like I know I can afford it, but it's that to. mental block you still have from um being very tight with money good, that yeah. it, it's still there. So well, it's a responsible habit to have. I, yeah. I, was I like that habit. Don't spend money. I was in the military for 10 years and like my whole career I didn't care about my car. And then that's the one thing that changed. I definitely care about my cars now. Yeah. Um, surprisingly, I don't um, fly like first class almost ever. I always yeah. think about it. And I I actually asked my daughter because uh, I asked her, I was like, would you rather sit first class or coach? And she said, I'd rather sit first class. And I said, okay, let me ask you a different question. What if I put $1,200 on the coach seat and I told you go sit back there for four hours and at the end you get to keep the $1,200, but you don't get to sit in first class. She's like, wait, what? $1,200? What can I buy with $1,200? I'm like, you can buy yes. an iPad, you can buy this. She's like, I'd rather go sit in the back. Why would I want to sit in the front for a little bit? I was like, that's, exactly. yeah. that's the question you should be yeah. asking. I always think about what I'm going to spend, what do I really need it? Mm. Yeah. Um, and to answer your question, yes, we do do the profit first. So we um, a certain amount of our income will go into um, our business expenses and then um, the other part goes into our, our personal. Like it actually goes against our mortgage at the moment mm -hmm. because that's the easiest way to bring it down. Yeah. Nice. Well, that's really awesome. Well, thank you so much. I got so much insight from you guys. You guys were a really good interview to do. And I'm super excited to you know hear that you guys have had so much success. Thank you. So, thank you yeah. for your help. <laughs> all right guys have a happy saturday this does this count as work no nah, um, nah. that's all right <laughs> all right guys have a good morning all right, thank, thank you, you so much bye